Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to a brand new episode of Guitar Talk. I'm so glad that you're with me today. We have a great show in store for you, like always. <laughs> you know, today is is a, a good day for me because one of the things that I really enjoy doing is talking to the musicians who support uh, national, you know, headlining acts you know, or, or artists. Because I find that world so fascinating. I've been in that world myself. I understand what it takes to be a support uh, to somebody who has their own music, their own game plan, and their own way of doing things. And then you're there to make sure that they look and sound amazing. I think that requires some special skills, some special talent. You know, it's a different, different position than just being the, the headliner yourself or being in a band, you know, like being the guitarist for Metallica or being the guitarist, you know, or bass player for somebody else. Uh, it's, it's a unique position. You're almost like a comedian to some sorts. You have to have a, a, a really deep toolbox. You have to be able to do a lot of things and, and act in, in a lot of ways in order to fulfill the position that you're in. I find it fascinating. Today, uh, my guest is Greg Saran. Now, if you've ever watched uh, American Idol, uh, especially over the past, you know, a uh, handful of years, you've probably seen my guest, Greg. Uh, he's a guitarist on American Idol, but also if you've seen Joe Walsh on tour or Don Felder, or if you've currently seen Lionel Richie on tour, you've definitely seen uh, Greg as well. He's been the guitarist for those people and more. He's extremely talented. He's a, a, a really nice guy. I think he's a great guitar player and he's definitely somebody that you should know, that you should have on your radar, right? I went the next time you tune into American Idol, I go, there's Greg. That dude's badass. That's what we want because he is and you need to know that. And so this is a really good conversation. So do yourself a favor, sit down, Put your feet up, get a nice, cool beverage. That's what I like. And enjoy this conversation with Greg Saran, the guitarist for American Idol and Lionel Richie. Hi. Hey, what's going on, Greg? Hey, man. What's going on? Not much. How you doing? I'm good. Just hanging out living in Dallas. Living yeah. in a hotel room, huh? You got it. You can tell by the background. <laughs> Yeah, very cool, man. You're on tour right now with Lionel Richie, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah. that going for you? Oh, it's been great. He's uh, he's just the coolest, you know. He's he's a legend, and uh, he's so like charming and funny, and he's great. The tour has been amazing. We're out with Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, they're opening for us. It's it's the shows have been sold out, playing arenas. It's just been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's cool. Now I I notice, you know, I mean, of course your history is is amazing. And before I get into it, I want to want to find out I came across uh, a recording on Spotify. Is that you? Instrumental stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's my solo record I put out a couple years ago. That's very good, man. Really cool. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I I'm a big fan. You know, I I'm a big fan of uh of oh i don't know space you know yeah. as a guitar player you know and, yeah. you, and the stuff that i just listened to 
you know, had a, it was, it was, uh, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan and it's not yeah. like Pink Floyd, but it's, right. it's in that world of, you know, you create a lot of space, a lot of a really good phrasing, a lot of nice musical moments going on there. So that's all. Thanks a lot. I mean, that's, that's a huge compliment. I, I have to, to be honest, I think some of that comes from my time when I was playing with Joe Walsh. Yeah. Um, Joe was, I kind of came into that gig when I was doing that gig. Sorry, sorry to jump ahead to anything, but I, no, you know, fine. you made me think of that. And uh, when I came in, it was, I think around 2011 or so. And I just wanted to impress him so badly. So I got all my like fast licks ready to go and my whole thing. And, you know, he just kind of like, you know, if you'll permit my Joe Walsh impression, he kind of was like, Hey man, you know, you just got to slow down a little bit. You don't have to play everything at the same time, you know, just tell a story. And, yeah. you know, and I love Joe. Like he's so cool in that way. And it really like my time with him, he really was amazing at getting me to kind of like think a little bit more like those old school guys uh, and be really musical and enjoy the space, you know, and that's me. That's part of making music too. Right. Yeah. Which is guitar players. We, we almost never do. <laughs> <laughs> right 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 we we want to we want to say as much as we can as fast as we can and impress as many people as we possibly can but i think we realize you know as time goes on man it's it really is about serving the song it's about melody it's about you know all the things that we sometimes miss as guitar players you know yeah. and we wake up one day and we realize oh man if I would have just done this a little bit different, you know? Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm always, you know, second guessing everything I do all the time. Like all of us probably do, but it's, it's true. Like it's about making music at the end of the day, you know, like you mentioned that my solo record, I, you know, I just wanted to make a record that was not like, okay, here's the head to the song. And then here's me soloing over like kind of rock blues changes for like four minutes. You know, I didn't really want to do that. Like the records I like were more like, Jeff Beck wired, you know, Andy Summers and Robert Fripp, that, uh, that solo record they did, uh, the duet record they did together. And, you know, so it's stuff like that, like some King Crimson, you know, where it's a little more compositional yeah. and listenable as opposed to just like, Oh, I'm going to rip, steal those guys licks. You know, I wanted to be like music. Right, right, right. And you know what, when uh, I, I enjoy uh, talking to players like yourself and what I mean by that accomplished people that, uh, ha have gone down the path of being that person for another artist, because it's sure. a completely different beast oh, yeah. being the guitarist for Jewel or Joe Walsh or, or Lionel Richie, as it is opposed to doing your own thing. Really different. Yeah. Yeah. Before I started kind of doing the higher gun thing, I had my own band that was on DreamWorks in the nineties. And so for it kind of, that's where I started coming from a band experience an artist kind of approach and then eventually i pivoted after a lot of that fell apart and but i think in, you know probably like most of us i think at our core that's who we are you know we want to make we want to make art we want to make something beautiful and cool and you know and our you know i think if we had our druthers that's what we'd always be doing right yeah yeah now how hard is it for you to distinguish between you know, who Greg is as a player versus who you have to be for other people. Because when you're playing with other people, it's not about you. It's 100% about them. So how do you yeah. distinguish, you know, who you are as a player versus being in that role? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
you know, I've heard it said there's there's some guys who are like, hey, you know, is this guitar player have an identif- does he have a, an identifiable style or like could could would you have a hard time picking him out of a, a lineup as if you heard him, right? And so I think sometimes that concept gets oversimplified where you're either one or the other. And I I I really do push back on that idea. I think just from my experience, yes, to your point, you have to become what the artist wants you to be, right? You have to fit the thing. So I'm not coming in guns blazing and saying like, for example, with Lionel, oh yeah, you know, I know that solo for hello and for easy, like a Sunday morning, but you know, I'm going to do my own thing on that. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> like that would just, I mean, I'm a fan too. Like I'm a fan right. of these artists. Like if I was going to see that concert and some guitar player, I don't care if he was John Harrington, who's amazing or anybody. If, if they messed with those solos, I'd be so disappointed as a fan. So that's just, that's not part of the job. You're supposed to play that solo and you're supposed to do what the artist wants. But I, I personally think um, in many ways, I'm able to bring out my personality on these gigs. Um, sometimes it's subtle. Maybe only guitar players might pick up on it. But I don't know, like with the B-52s, they, I don't think I sound like Ricky Wilson, the original guitar player, or Keith Strickland, who, were, who was the drummer who replaced him. I kind of take bits and pieces of both of them, honor the original material, and then try to bring my thing to it, which I know it sounds kind of typical. That's what everybody would try to do, but I really do take it seriously. And I hear from the artists, they go, hey, we like what you're doing on that thing. It's a little different. We like that. So I think there is some of me in these gigs, and they're all very different. Lionel, for example, he he wants us to perform. He wants his band. It's only There's only five of us. It's not like this big, massive band of hired dudes. He wants us to be out there with him on the main stage, on the catwalk, rocking out with him, doing our thing. He wants us to be like these rock stars individually to compliment him. So, you know, they're all a bit different. Uh, There were some gigs when I was at the Goo Goo Dolls, it was more like standing in the back, playing the music. You have like maybe that one moment where you play the solo for Iris or something, and then you go back and they're all cool. They're all different in that way. So I don't know. I think it's a blurry line between my hired gun world and my me doing my own record. I, I think the challenge for me with my record is that I need to make another one and I need to keep doing that and keep being uh, prolific enough. It's, it's, it's a hard process, but I, I want to do it and still establish my own identity. It's anyway, sorry for the long winded answer, but that's kind of oh, where well, I'm at. You're, you're cool. You're cool. You know, in, in, Time permitting, you know, that's one of the the hard things for, you know, a player like yourself, because when you're in that world and you're doing those tours and stuff, I mean, you know, when do you got time? Right. Because it can be pretty grueling, you know, to to be out there and to be, you know, on the road with somebody and that, you know, it's it's really, really, you know, kind of tough. And that so but at the same time. You know, what would you say? I mean, I got my own personal opinion on this, but what would you say is the one thing that any of those guys is looking for in a player? So I think there's some common things. Uh, I think most importantly, I mean, you have to be able to play, right? Everybody who's at this level can play. Um, And some people are better at this thing, better at the other thing. But I think so that's kind of a given. I think the next most important thing is you have to have that kind of confidence and experience to go out there and play in front of 20,000 people and not flinch to go on live television and not have the moment be too big for you and kind of know how to navigate those things, which are challenging, I think, for almost every player, because those you have to perform, you have to be a high level performer on that, that big stage. And uh, so I think the artists want, they want to know that 
that you have confidence so they can have confidence in you. Then you kind of have to be cool enough to, to get along with on the road. You know, you can't be a jerk. I mean, I guess you can, but you're not, you're probably not going to work very much, you know? <laughs> and then beyond that, I think, you know, you kind of have to have an ear and for the tone, like the right kind of tone for the gig and the sound and be able to really like dig into their music and give it the thing it really deserves. You know, like, I think one thing I'm good at is I'm a fan. I'm a real fan of music. I listen to records. I have a big vinyl collection. I go to see shows. So I, I just imagine myself, if I'm a fan going to see that show, what do I want to hear out of that guitar player? And I tried my best to live up to it and really treat it and honor it, you know? Um, but I think those are the, like the biggest things probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with you in that. And so when it comes to, you know, uh, distinguishing or developing your own style of playing as a musician, as a guitarist versus being, and I hope you don't mind me doing the comparison because there yeah. are actually a lot of people that reach out to me that are interested. Of course, a lot of guys are interested. I love to play with so-and-so, you know, and, You'd love to do that until you're in that position, then you might not. But how, how do you develop your own your own style, your own sound, your own, you know, your own personality as a player in that setting? Can you do it? Or does it or does it at least open the door for you to be able to do it in a different way than you would if you didn't have that? If that makes you know, sense. You know, it does make sense. And I, I think you know, your sound, your style, that's just kind of a lifetime of playing, right? And it, it sort of evolves and changes over the years, depending on who, who might be influencing you at that time. I, I have a lot of different influences, might be other people I play with. Like I, my buddy, uh, the other guitar player on American Idol I work with, uh, Tim Stewart, I, he's influenced me a bit. I think I've influenced him a little bit. Um, Joe Walsh influenced me along the way. There's a lot, you get all those things, but I think at the end of the day, it's almost like that wherever you go, there you are kind of thing. You can't get away from yourself. I yeah. hear myself in everything I do. Even if I'm trying to sound like someone else, it's, uh, it still to me sounds like me. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I don't, I don't think I'm like a mimic kind of guitar player. I think I can definitely learn whatever it is and play it and play it accurately. But I still feel like I always sound like me. And sometimes that bugs me where I go, ah, it's me again. I, I wish I sounded more like the <laughs> other dude. But I, I've embraced it at this point, you know. I I I personally hear it in the other gigs I do. Um, and as far as I, I you know, I try to, I try to spend a lot of time on tone. So like with the Lionel thing, you know, his '80s stuff, the Steve Lukather stuff that Steve recorded on those records. I want to get that tone. I want that chorusy, clean, compressed guitar for arpeggios and funk stuff. And then I want the big lead solos with the Floyd Rose, if that's what it is, because I think that style is really cool. You don't hear it as much anymore. Um, yeah. so that, that's an example of me trying to be someone else, but at the end of the day, I think it still sounds like me. So I, I think my style is just developing over my lifetime and, uh, I, I think I just can't escape it personally. Yeah. And so I wonder, you know, and I don't, when I do, when I have these conversations, I'm going to admit to you, I, I don't think about questions to ask you, you know, I just want to have a genuine yeah. conversation with you, but. I do ask uh, one question quite a bit, and that's because I personally want to know. I really like to know what are some of the things that you did as a player when you were developing yourself that have made you the player that you are right now? Because sometimes there are 
specific things that we do that we can look back and go, well, I'm here and, you know, I'm in this place and I'm doing this because I did these things. What would those be for you? Those, that's a great question. And I think a couple things in particular, two things in particular. Um, one is that I, I really think it was to my advantage. And I think maybe it's just part of my personality as a, as a kid. I was really open to everything musically. I wasn't, you know, I kind of started playing Eddie Van Halen and Angus Young and Jimmy Page and, you know, all the classic rock stuff and, and kind of rock and roll and heavy metal. But then I expanded as I, I started learning a bit of jazz. I, I ended up studying classical guitar in college and really pursued that hard for those four years. And then, you know, someone would say, hey, you want to do this country gig? And I'd say, well, I don't really know how to play country, but yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then I'd go in and I'd make my mistakes. Then I realized, oh, I need to work on this and that if I'm going to play that style. So I was always very, um, I feel like, pretty um, open to doing things that seemed even out of my wheelhouse at the time. And that helped me expand and kind of realize not to be afraid, just to go out there and play, do your best and figure it out. And then I, I think the other thing is just being also, again, open, but in a different way to experiences. Like there might be that one gig that you play on a Tuesday night and you think, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this gig. It's like 50 bucks. I got to haul all my, get, my gear. And I don't even know if I really like doing this, playing in this band anyway, but you do it and you meet somebody there who maybe another musician who sees you play likes what you're doing. And then they go, hey, man, you know, like, and then you connect. And then like three years later, they're calling you about some great gig. And yeah. that, that's been like my life. It's been like just being out there doing a lot of different things. Uh, I, I, a way I kind of get bored sometimes if I'm stagnant. So I like to try different things, experiences. Um, and that's led to any, any good gig that I've ever had. It, it was directly, uh, you could draw a direct line from some other gig that seemed insignificant at the time. Yeah. As a player, though, let's let's look at it from okay. you know, from a strictly you know uh, a guitar player. How sure. would you answer that question just as a guitar player? I mean, I completely get it because when I look back on my life, it seems like all the good gigs came from, you know, like my gig with my first tour with Buddy Miles came from you know being at a jam session at Buddy Guy's. Sure. You know what I mean? So so I completely understand that, and I think that you have to be accessible like that. But when you dial it into, you know, the I don't want to say necessarily the technical aspect of being a guitar player, but OK, the technical aspect. What are the things that you do? I mean, was it like, you, you know, you rehearse, you know, for this many hours a day? You, I mean, what is it? Well, I, I mean, you know, when I was younger, teens, I practiced all the time. You know, yeah. I, I was I had I had a few teachers that were really good. A guy. uh Growing up in Chicago, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, he, he went to GIT. So he, he was in the same class as like Frank Gambali and all these other great players. Yeah. And actually with the guitar player on Earth, Wind & Fire, Morris, who's on the tour, they were classmates, ironically. But uh, he, he's older than me and he taught me a lot of great stuff, you know, he, about, you know, modes, scales, uh, harmony, basic music theory stuff, um, you know, learning uh, triads all up and down the neck, uh, the majors, the minors, the diminished, and then into the, uh, you know, the seventh, seventh chords and, you know, really getting to know the neck that, so I had a lot of work on that stuff as a kid, as well as just like, I want to learn that Stevie Ray Vaughan solo. I want to learn this Eddie Van Halen solo, I, constantly learning that stuff. And then after that, after I got enough chops to where I could, you know, sit in and play and, and do all that, I started studying classical and I put hours and hours in on that. I learned how to read. 
I learned how to play recitals uh, in front of people like where I'd have to play 45 minutes of music solo on classical guitar, really complicated stuff, memorize it all, play it in front of a crowd that those experiences, that practice time, I think really gave me um, a framework of discipline for practicing and uh, seeing, you know, a real concrete goal. And like, here's how you get from A to Z. You do it by doing, you know, every letter in between and you get there and then you do it. So I, you know, I had a method to, I think, how I was approaching my practicing. Yeah. Yeah. And today, you know, what do you do right now? What do you, how do you go about it today in order to continue to develop yourself? Because I know when you're out on tour and you're doing, you know, you got all this stuff going on in your world, it's hard to, to focus on you and your playing in that because you're focused on everything else. Yeah. Um, well on tour, it's actually, I seem to have the most time. Uh, so I bring a guitar with, and I have like my Kemper rig and a, a little pro tools rig on a laptop. And I'll, a lot of times maybe I'll work on something in the show. You know, I have some solos and I say, eh, I'm going to work on a few new ideas for that solo or, or whatever. So I'll do stuff like that. But to be honest, especially since the pandemic started kind of easing up and I got back to work, man, I between I got American Idol, which when we're in season, uh, it takes all my time. We, we learn like 100 songs a week. And then I the B-52s, I'm still doing gigs with them. This is my other band, Sunny Day Real Estate. We're doing shows and working on a record. And so I, I always have something I have to do musically. So it's kind of rare these days where I have like four hours to just practice but um, mostly hotel room stuff. So I'll, I'll just work on like, oh, that guy's got a cool lick. I'm going to learn that lick, you know, some, something I saw on YouTube or I'll, right. I'll mess around with that. Yeah. At this point, I think I'm kind of just learning new licks here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, I, I know, uh, you know, several of my friends have, you know, worked on Broadway and, you know, done, you know, you probably know Joel Hookstra being from Illinois. Yeah. 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 We we were just like Instagram friends, but he's rad. I love that dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I know in those worlds, you have to really know music. I mean, there's just no way around it. it yeah. I'm guessing it's the same way with Idol. I don't know if it is with any it of is. the other people you're with. Oh, it is. It? Yeah. You, we, we sight read everything. Yeah. So, so, so in other words, to somebody that's, you know, trying to go down the path you're on, if they want to be able to have those types of experiences, then you can't do like I did, which is not learn how to read music. You have to really know it inside now. Right. I mean, it, I think it really helps if you can, if you're a good reader on a show like that, you can, you know, you could be a mediocre reader and get by, I think, especially if you're a great player. I mean, a great player can adapt to just about any situation, yeah. but you know, we, we, we have so much volume of material. So many songs learned each week. We have these people writing charts for us that we upload to our, uh, you know, iPads. Um, you know, sometimes you don't have a lot of time to shed the stuff. So you got to be able to read it. And also you'll be on set and all of a sudden the arrangement will change instantly. And then a new chart comes up and you got to play it in 30 seconds. So, yeah. uh, so I think, yeah, you, it's, it's worth, you know, in college, I, I was learning, I was studying, uh, you know, classical and some jazz. So I was reading and I, it, you know, it's something I would work on. I'd get those, you know, those Berkeley uh, instructional books from the Berkeley College of Music. There's yeah. like volumes one, two, three and four and reading exercises. I would buy a lot of those books in, in the late 80s and 90s and just start reading stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm not even the best reader. There are guys like in L.A. guitar players who are better readers than me. But I'd say for a guitar player, I'm a pretty good reader, you know, enough to do this anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't, I don't think you could be a slouch. I mean, you, you can't, you know, I, I couldn't do it, you know, because I would have no clue. They put something in front of me and it's like Chinese to me. It's like, what, what, well, what's that joke? They say like, how do you get a guitar player to stop playing? Put some sheet music in front of them. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. At, le at least I've gotten better and I, and I have a lot more space in my playing, which everybody wants. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I know for real, truthfully. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about your gear. I, uh, yeah. you know, so I, I understand like in certain settings, probably with Lionel, I don't know, but you know, a lot of people don't have any amplifiers or anything on stage anymore. Everything's either a Kemper or a fractal or a helix yep. and in ears. Is that the route you're on right now? Yeah. Since I, I started this gig, it's always been no speakers. Uh, yeah. anywhere, uh, anywhere in sight. He, like, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to even see a speaker anywhere. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. So I started, I've, I've gone through a few different rigs on this gig. I started with, uh, my Bogner Goldfinger 45 heads, uh, and my usual pedal board, which is like, has an RJM mastermind PBC six X controller, and then a bunch of Strymon stuff and a bunch of boutique -y stuff too. Um, and what I was doing, I was going into the two notes Captor X, which is like a, like a UA ox type thing, but it's smaller right. chassis. So I was using that and it was cool. And then I decided, you know, uh, for idle, I need to keep using my Bogner. So those have to live there. So then I got some Friedman B 50 deluxe heads and those are great. I loved them. I was using those. And on the Europe tour, I, there was something about the, it's, they're not as practical because there's inconsistency. Sometimes that knob is a little like the volume knob is a little moves a little bit and all of a sudden your clean channel is way too hot so you know with working with audio we all kind of realized the best route to go on that gig would be kemper and so i for the first time moved to kemper on lionel uh, a few months ago and to be honest i'm really happy i was able to do a model of my prized nailer superdrive 60 head uh which uh my old buddy tim pierce turned me on to back in the early 2000s um so I did a profile of that and darn it. I mean, it sounds just like my nailer mic'd up. I, I, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, it's so much easier. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it was like, if we could have loud amps back behind us. Sure. I'd be using all that. It'd be right. great for this. This is kind of, I think the right thing it's working for now. Yeah. And when it comes to guitars, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you probably got to play a wide variety of guitars now, but I'm curious as to you know which ones you actually prefer and why uh so i've been playing a lot of strat style guitars lately i did when i was a kid and then i kind of moved away from them in the 90s and played only les pauls and 335s and then when i was playing with walsh uh i started playing tellies and you know so i've kind of moved around like those the, the basics you know the the three you know the four three or four basic model guitars we all play uh, but lately, yeah, I've been doing, playing a lot of Strat style guitars. I have a Danacaster, uh, Sunburst Danacaster that I'm using as my main Lionel guitar, and it's killer. It's it's it just it, amazing how it sounds and feels like a real '60s Strat to me. Yeah. Um, and and I've been working with Ron Ellis, uh, Ron Ellis Pickups. Ron's awesome. Yeah. He he turns out he was a like it's weird. I don't get to say this very often, but he was a fan of mine. <laughs> and uh he he reached out he's, he's like hey man i love your playing he's like he had seen me with a few different bands over the years he's just like i really like the way you play i want to give you some of my pickups and at the time i didn't know anything about him and i looked up on reverb like how much a set of his pickups goes for i went oh my god <laughs> like, these yeah. things are no joke and man that guy he's been he's been hooking me up with a lot of pickups in my guitars and so 
that's been killing. I play a lot of Nash guitars as well on the road. Um, they, they help me out as well. And, uh, so I have a lot of Nashes with bronze pickups in them. And that's kind of like my main thing. I have my Gibsons that I got in the nineties and early two thousands. I have a lot of those still that I use as well. And Collings acoustics. I use those all the time. Yeah. Got three of those. Yeah. So, so (laughs) is, is there some style or some sort of music or a band that you listen to that if people were to hear you listen to them would go, I can't believe he listens to that. And in other words, are you like a, hmm. you know, a closet smooth jazz fan or, you know, what All I, right. mean? I, out there? I love, I love the eighties kind of cheesy MTV pop. I love Huey Lewis in the news. Love. Oh, yeah. oh. I love Hall and Oates. I love Christopher Cross, like all the yacht rock stuff, you know, right. Yeah. I really love that stuff. And I also love 70s and 80s uh, soul, R&B and funk. I, you know, I'm a nut for that. Uh, I, just for listening. And it's not even like I played in a lot of those kind of bands or anything. I just love listening to that music. Um, but yeah, I would say like, yeah, for sure. Like that 80s pop stuff. I, it's just a guilty pleasure. I just love it. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. yeah the, I, I love the Yacht Rock stuff too myself. I think some of the best songwriting and some of the best yeah. rhythm. You yeah. know, came from came from that era. You know? Oh yeah. Whether it yeah. was yacht rock or disco, I mean, it's like how do you go? You wrong? know, there's an. I, I agree. On the other hand, then there's I. You know, growing up in Chicago, I was really into the kind of Chicago '90s post-punk scene, like bands like Tortoise and the Sea and Cake. And my my really good friend uh, Bill Dolan had a band called Five Style. Another band called Heroic Doses. And I've I've taken a lot from Bill and and a lot of those guys like Sam Precop from Seeing Cake like I've I've learned stuff from those dudes and been influenced by them even just by kind of osmosis. But that's music, you know, indie rock music from the '90s that maybe some people wouldn't know that I was into. But it's kind of part of kind of where I came from. Yeah. So last last thing, man, and I'll let you go because I know you're you're a busy guy. In that, do you have anything? Do you have any plans? for anything solo wise to come out in the near future? Yeah, I, I did my, my first solo record. It's called augmentation a few years back. And, uh, you know, I think I got a little frustrated because, Oh, nobody's paying attention to this thing, but of course they're not. You have to promote it. You got to get out and play. And, you know, I got the American Idol gig right after I came out with that record. And then I just, I just, you know, thankfully got really busy with work, but, I want to follow that record up with another, like, I, I think I'm developing a style in that kind of the way that record is. And I feel like it's really my personality and where I'm at musically. So I yeah. do, I really do want to do a follow-up to that. And then I really want to start playing some shows with a band based on that material. Even if five people show up, I just, I just want to do it. Right. Well, so I, know, I'm, I'm working on it. We're creative people, right? We got it. We got to get Try it to be. Yeah. yeah. I'll Can't tell you what, it. Greg, I, I appreciate, you know, you, chatting with me and that and uh getting to know you and stuff uh yeah i i've i've seen you you know play with you know, on american idol of course kids i gotta watch american idol you know so right I've seen... <laughs> yeah my apologies yeah it's, it's too bad you weren't on there when my buddy paul paul jackson jr was on there for oh, a while. dude he is he's the man he's an amazing player and yeah anyway, yeah I wish you the best of luck. Hopefully your new album will come out soon. Stay safe on the tour. And uh, I'm in Chicago. So if you're ever back, you know, let me know. Let's hang. Let's do that. I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, It's great meeting you and doing this. 
Yeah. Well, cool, Greg. You take care. Tell Lionel I said hi. He'll remember. Will do. All right. <laughs> Later. Thanks, thanks again for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation with uh, Greg Saran. I want to thank Greg so much for participating in the show and on this episode. It was an absolute pleasure to, to know him and to get to learn more about him. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're following him on social media, keeping up with everything he does, because when the time comes that he does something on his own, you need to be there to buy his music and go see him play. Right, And if you're in the audience at a Lionel Richie concert or if you're in the audience at American Idol, just yell his name out a couple of times. He needs to know you're there to support him. I want to thank him so much. Now, next Wednesday, right here in Guitar Talk, I've got a really interesting conversation with Glenn Hughes. I got to sit down with Glenn live at the Arcata Theater in St. Charles, Illinois. He was doing a show there, a double bill show with uh, Malmsteen. And uh, so we got an opportunity to talk about uh, his new tour, uh, what's going on in his world, how come he's so cool, because he is extremely cool. And it is a great conversation, so you're not going to want to miss it. Make sure that you uh, put it on your calendar and that. And also, while we're on the topic, go to Spotify and subscribe. It's $2.99 to join Guitar Talk uh, as a member. You'll get content that you can't get anywhere else. You'll get episodes early. You'll get episodes that nobody else will see. Like, for instance, I have an episode with Steve Hackett from Genesis that's about to release next week on there for subscribers only. It's a great, great thing. Make sure that you're following me on social media, wherever I am. Follow, like, and share. You know how, you know what the rules are. Come on now. Let's do it. Until next week when I sit down with Glenn Hughes, I'm Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much.